you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Pastor Mark Burns getting indignant that we interpreted his comments about the LGBT community accurately. He said he wants the death penalty, and now he seems to be reversing his position. Senate candidate Eric Greitens releasing a disturbing campaign ad where he encourages people to go rhino hunting. Lauren Boebert holding a campaign event at a church. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Why do these people think that God is paying special attention to the U.S., considering that there are child soldiers in Africa, war in Ukraine, and genocide in China? That's a good question. Let me show you. Let me show you. I'll show you from the words of a televangelist, from the words of an evangelical themselves. This will put into perspective for you how these people view America and why they believe that America was specially chosen by God. This is Shane Vaughn. He is a televangelist nutcase that believes that Trump is the new messiah, basically. This clip is from early November 2021. And he wrote down, we are going, he wrote a course, to new Israel, new Israel, new Israel. And when they came off the ship, they didn't plant an American flag. They planted the Christian flag Uh on the soil. They dedicated, George Washington knelt and prayed dedicated America where the Twin Towers stand or stood. That's where America came into covenant with Yahweh, with God, was where the Twin Towers stand. Wow. Ain't that something? That is where George Washington prayed. Not true. Any of it. Revisionist history at best. Delusion at worst. This is why they believe that America is so special. This is why they think America is what God is paying the most attention to. Because they believe that God made a covenant with America as the new Israel. In the Old Testament, the Israelites made a covenant with Yahweh and agreed that he would protect them in exchange for their exclusive worship, blah, blah, blah. They believe the exact same thing happened when America was discovered with like Christopher Columbus and his whole group and the the pilgrims and all that. Complete nonsense. None of it is true. Like, down to the details that he's giving us, not even the details are true. Like, George Washington knelt down where the Twin Towers were. No, no, none of that. He didn't pray in front of the Twin Towers or whatever else. It's all nonsense. There's a chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him. I believe that's called St. Paul's Chapel. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I read about that specifically because I was trying to get a tour guide's license to give tours in New York City. Figured I'd give tours to fans. Thought that'd be awesome. Still want to do that. I was waiting for COVID to get a little better. I may still do it. We'll see. Anyway, that's beside the point. I don't remember anything about George Washington kneeling in front of St. Paul's Chapel with his horse and praying to God and all that. It's all nonsense. This is all complete nonsense with little bits of truth thrown in here or there. Like, yeah, there is a chapel there. That's true. That's like the only true thing in this entire sentence. Prayed, right? There's a chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him praying by the horse, that's where it happened. That picture of George Washington praying by his horse, this picture right here, it's fake. It never happened. This is a fabrication. It's historical revisionism. 
it's not real. But here we have Shane Vaughn describing a scenario that fits the historical narrative behind this painting. The events that took place in this painting never happened. What Shane Vaughn is describing here never happened. It's nonsense from top to bottom, but it doesn't matter. These people don't care if it's real or not. They know it's not real. They're the ones making it up. As long as it fits their narrative, as long as they can convince gullible suckers, they'll say it. The chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him praying by the horse, that's where it happened. That's where he dedicated our nation in covenant to God. If you will make us a great nation, deliver us from tyranny, then we will serve you. And he gave the nation to God at that point. Every signer that of the Declaration of Independence were descendants of the tribes of Israel. Israel. We can trace it. We know it. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were direct descendants from the tribes of Israel. That's what he just claimed. Delusion or grift? I don't know. I can't tell. It's so hard to know for sure one way or another. That's simply not true in any way at all. I mean, I have to imagine he just made it up, right? Maybe he claims that God gave him this information secretly in the dead of night, spoke to him and said, Shane, the founding fathers are descendants of the tribes of Israel. Theologically, it doesn't make sense because you don't have to be a descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel to get into God's kingdom or to be in covenant with God or whatever, right? According to Christianity, you don't have to be related to the Jewish people for that to be the case. So theologically, it's nonsense. Historically, it's nonsense. I mean, just it's nonsense all the way around from top to bottom. It's made up nonsense, made up by Shane. I was a doctor of theology. No. No, you weren't. You were not a doctor of theology, Shane. This is just straight up bizarre. Now he's just now he's just lying. Like everything out of his mouth is false right now. I haven't picked out a single true thing out of his mouth yet except for that mention that there's a chapel next to where the twin towers were. That's the only true thing in this whole thing that I've picked out. The doctor of theology I was the youngest ordained evangelist in America at 14 years old. Wow. Is 14 the youngest that anyone has ever been an ordained minister? I'm skeptical. I feel like this is, you know, verifiable information that we could just look up and find out. This is yet another lie. The youngest ordained minister was ordained at four years old. Hugh Marjo Ross Gortner, also known as Marjo. At this time, I would like to present to you the world's youngest ordained minister and the world's youngest evangelist, Marjorie Gortner. God, for my darling Christian mother, that pointed me to Jesus. If we had more good Christian mothers that would teach the boy in this world how to play more instead of drinking cocktails and smoking filthy old cigarettes, He eventually went on to leave evangelicalism and teach people all the underhanded tricks and scams televangelists use to manipulate people. There's, there's one guy that gets into it so heavy that he's into, he prophesies, and he told me how he did it. He sat right, I mean, he looked right across the table back and forth at me, and, and he told me how, you know, how he confiscates money. He says he's on, this station is over 40 states, and uh, 
he'll go on there and he'll get on the radio and he'll say, I know that listening to my little voice tonight, that there's some lady out there and you've got $10 put away in a cookie jar. Now God spoke to my heart and told me to go and tell you to get that $10 and get it in the mail and send it to me and God will bless you. God will give you a reward such as you have never known before. And then he comes back to me and he tells me, he says, if you're on the radio and you're going over 40 states and you're on at prime time, you've got thousands of people listening, the chances are that there are at least two or three hundred little old ladies who've got a ten dollar bill in a cookie jar and so if you even get you know if a couple hundred go over and get it and send it to you that's two grand that you've made just like that shane vaughn was not the youngest ordained minister the youngest ordained minister was four not 14. wow i've lived for the lord my whole life and i was dumb as a box of rocks and didn't know it at 40 years old because i thought that a jew meant israel and an israel meant jew until I started studying my Bible, and I found out that the first mention of the word Jew in the Bible is them fighting against Israel. What? Just, I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. This is standard doctrine in a lot of ways. A lot of them believe that America is in covenant with Yahweh. They think that they're connected to God, and God cares about this government the most, and that, I mean... Rusty Bowers was testifying in front of the January 6th committee not too long ago and specifically said in front of the January 6th committee in the hearing, he said he believed that the Constitution was divinely inspired, that God inspired the founding fathers to write the Constitution and sign it, just like when Moses wrote the books of like Genesis and Exodus or whatever else, exactly the same way. Anything that would say to me, you have a doubt, deny your oath. I will not do that. And on more than, on more than one occasion throughout all this, that has been brought up. And it is a tenet of my faith. that the Constitution is divinely inspired of my most basic foundational beliefs. And so for me to do that because somebody just asked me to is foreign to my very being. I, I, I will not do it. Just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the Gospels. Of course, Moses didn't write those books, and neither did Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's beside the point. The point is, they believe the Constitution to be divinely inspired by God, like the Bible. Seriously. If they live in a different reality than the rest of us, and they'll do anything they can to take power. Anything. Because they believe that God wants them to. Disturbing stuff. I grew up evangelical and was told repeatedly that there's a covenant between God and the U.S. Never in that much of detail, though. Yeah, it is a common belief. There's a covenant between the U.S. and God. And it's becoming an even more common belief that Trump is like a new messiah that, that's acting on that covenant or whatever. Absolutely deranged stuff, man. Deranged stuff. Hello, this is Madison from Texas. Big fan, as always. Um, my question is, this whole Roe versus Wade thinking that they're going on and thinking of putting away basically is crazy. And it always astounds me that Christians are against it. After all, 
God killed his son. Why can't I if I want to? Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, this voicemail actually is from like May, I think, but they were talking about it at the time because the draft leaked and now it's officially been removed, unfortunately. We're in a bad position in our country right now, a disturbing place. I feel like the best argument against this whole thing from a biblical perspective comes from the account of bitter water in the Bible. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but this is Numbers 5, 11 to 31. This is the test for an unfaithful wife. I'll give you the cliff notes. Basically, if you think your wife has been unfaithful, you take her to the priest. The priest mixes up this solution they call bitter water. They give the bitter water to your wife. If the baby is aborted, then she was unfaithful and you won't have somebody else's son. If the baby isn't aborted, if the baby survives the bitter water, it is your son and you can keep it anyways. Your wife was not unfaithful. That's the bottom line behind this. Numbers 5, 11 to 31. And my reason for saying the Bible is in favor of abortion. The Bible's in favor of abortion. Elective abortion, as a matter of fact. People can choose to do this if they want. They don't have to. And as a matter of fact, the Jewish faith, modern Jewish faith, believes in the right to have an abortion for any reason, basically. For the physical or mental health of the mother or whatever else. There are a bunch of different reasons. So Christians are not only violating other people's religious freedoms by removing abortion rights, but they're also directly contradicting the Bible. The Bible is in favor of abortion. I don't know where people got the idea it wasn't. It is. But here we are. You know, these people don't care. They don't actually read or believe anything in the Bible. They believe what they believe already, and they search through the Bible for already existing verses that support their beliefs that they already hold. Emily Christina 41, the Bible also says life begins at the first breath. That's true. That's a good point. It does say that. It was never about moral consistency or any of that. It was always about control. Uh, hi, uh, I'm, I'm B. I'm from Missouri. Uh, you were, I'm an ex-Mormon, and you were a big part of uh, my deconversion, like, ages ago. But I wanted to know, like, with your deconversion, how did you find um, where your genuine personality started and the cult programming stopped? Because that's just things that keep happening in my head. Uh, thanks. Love your show. Love what you do. Love the work you do. Uh, bye. I appreciate that. This is a really interesting question because... When you are indoctrinated into a cult, the cult replaces what they call the authentic personality. This is part of the process. They replace your authentic personality with the cult personality or what they call the new personality. Jehovah's Witnesses call it the new personality or the Christian personality. I mean, a lot of different groups have terms for this, but the bottom line is... They're trying to turn you into a de facto clone of the other members of the group, right? That's why all Jehovah's Witnesses seem to act similarly to each other. You ever seen a vacant smile in a cult member's face? They all have the vacant smile. They all have the glassy eyes that appear when they start talking about their religion. They're effectively turning people into robots for their group, and it's been like this since the dawn of time. 
I mean, you can watch documentaries on Heaven's Gate and, and listen to them speak about their group and what they believe in everything and watch their eyes glaze over and, and just an empty smile appear on their face. That's the cult's personality asserting itself. So the question is, how do you regain your authentic personality? I was born into Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm guessing that you were born into Mormonism. We never had authentic personalities. Our personalities were formed out by the church from day one, unfortunately. Some people join their groups later in life and have the opportunity to regain what they lost at the hands of their group. In our case, we have no real choice but to explore in new directions, make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable, find hobbies that we may not think we'd be interested in, experiment with things, try new foods, try new everything, figure out who you are and what you enjoy, and do everything you can to throw off the old new personality that you no longer have with you. It's important to heal from the trauma that this group has forced upon you. So do everything you can to experiment and, and try new things and just have a good time. And don't worry about what the cult would want or what you think the cult would want anymore. Find yourself. It's not easy to do, but it is possible in my experience. Hello, Owen. I'm Tia from Indiana, and I'm curious as to what Jehovah's Witnesses, both children and adults, do for fun. It seems like with every Caleb and Sophia video they put out, whenever the children, they play with something, they're either scolded for it, they have it taken away, or they cut them off and try to skew them back towards the religion. And we've never really seen the adults do anything for fun either. So I'm just curious, what do Jehovah's Witnesses do for fun to pass the time when they're not at church? Thank you. It's an interesting question. Um, it depends on how spiritual you are. The more spiritual among us would read Watchtower magazines or read the Bible. But my family, we were on the less spiritual end of the congregation. We were kind of viewed as pariahs a little bit or outcasts to some degree because we weren't as invested or it didn't appear at face value that we were as invested as others were. So our go-to thing to have fun wasn't reading the Bible. When I was a kid, when my family generally, when I was younger, would watch TV. We were really into computers, and this is at a time when computers were just coming into their prime, you know, the 1990s. We had computers in our home when most people in America didn't for the first time because my dad ran a computer repair shop. My brothers would, like, borrow parts from my dad that he ordered or whatever and just assemble a computer, and we'd get a web browser. We would buy DOS games to play all the time. My brother also got a, an original NES from somebody in the congregation that was broken, and he had a soldering iron, and he soldered pieces together to fix the Nintendo, the NES. I think there was something wrong with the power port or something like that. He fixed it, and we had like three or four NES games we played. Mario, Duck Hunt, Baseball, and a couple of others. We were probably a little bit more entertaining and more entertained than most people in our congregation. But again, 
that that came at a cost. People in the congregation were wary of us. They thought that we weren't very spiritual. Most Jehovah's Witnesses will allow themselves a little bit of time to watch TV at the end of the day, as long as it's not something that is too controversial or too questionable. There was a big trend in my congregation when I was a kid of watching Friends uh, when it was coming out. And that was actually kind of controversial among some Jehovah's Witnesses. Friends was dirty sometimes, you know, it wasn't great. But my whole congregation from the 90s, they were super into that TV show. So it just kind of varies from congregation to congregation what their tolerance is for what they allow people to do for fun. I also played the Pokemon games. I had a Game Boy, so there's that. Hi, Owen. This is Christopher from Indiana. Uh, my question for you is, uh, how do you, or what advice would you have uh, for people coping with uh, anger and resentment as a result of actions on the church? I know that from the way that I grew up in a cult that I struggle with a lot of feelings of you know, anger, depression, that resentment as a result. And I was just wondering how you cope with that or any advice you'd have for someone in that situation. Uh, big fan. Uh, thanks so much. Bye. I know when I came out of religion, I was absolutely furious when I realized Jehovah's Witnesses were basically scamming me, taking me for every penny that I owned and taking my family away from me and everything else. I was very unhappy with that. I eventually found an outlet for that. My outlet was watching YouTubers talk about it and communicate exactly how I felt, and eventually me communicating exactly how I felt on YouTube myself. Having an outlet of some sort, having an outlet like that especially, is eternally useful. Most people who come out of religion, especially cults like we did, or like I did, I'm, I'm not sure what group you came from, most people who come out of groups like that tend to have a really, really bad attitude toward religion as a result for a long time. Like I said, I don't know what group you came from, but it is possible maybe you have religious trauma syndrome. It's like a branch of post-traumatic stress disorder. It works in similar ways. It's not just... You left religion and you're upset about it. It's another level past that. And there are RTS therapists out there who can talk to you and work with you on that to try to find a solution. I'd recommend talking to one. I mean, just Google religious trauma syndrome counselors or therapists in your area or even online. Maybe you can find some through like virtual means or whatever. Like there are a billion ways to connect with people like this and maybe they can do some good for you. Next email is from John. Title is Televangelist Question. Hey Owen, big fan, and always love listening to your videos and learning about some of the crazier stuff happening on the fringes just out of view. With how many televangelists are leaning into talking in tongues and falling out in the spirit, I've wondered how they would react if someone on their church live on air fell to the ground acting as if they were being met with a revelation only for the person to stand up and call them out. For a while, I've just pictured someone like Copeland with his strange mannerisms and short temper to snap, and sadly, I would imagine the whole room would turn on the accuser due to just how much sway he and others like him hold on their congregation. What do you imagine would happen? 
P.S. I'd recommend picking up the new Kirby. Makes for a great game to play with a family member while relaxing. I've heard really good things about the Kirby game, yeah. I should probably give that a shot one of these days. How would they react to being called out in person? Well, no need to wonder. We have examples of it. I mean, we we can look at examples of people being called out, although your way is a little bit different. Your way was feigning this prophecy from God, like this revelation from God where you fall out in the spirit and, and everything else. Typically, either they ignore it or they just escort you from the room and pretend it didn't happen at all. It's really bizarre that people can stand there and see this stuff happen and understand that it's just completely fake. The falling out in the spirit, the speaking in tongues, it is not inspired of God. And they still believe this stuff, despite knowing it's all fake. How do you crack the nut? You know, how do you get through to them? It's a challenge, man. It's a challenge. Next email is from Auburn, Jehovah's Witnesses Overseas. Hey there, Owen. I was wondering if Jehovah's Witnesses have different values or rules overseas. I'm from New Zealand slash Aotirio something or other. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce that. And had a Jehovah's Witness as a part of my friend group in college, American High School. He follows almost all the rules I've heard you talk about, except that in the five years of school, he never once tried to recruit anyone or even really talk about anything Jehovah's Witness, apart from that he was one. I'd like to hear what you know on Jehovah's Witnesses around the world. Thanks. Love your stuff. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses are very uniform around the world. It does not vary from country to country, or really even from congregation to congregation. That's what makes it a cult in the first place. They're all very uniform across the board. Now, that being said, there are some cases where on a congregation level, some congregations are a little bit more okay with some things than others. Like some congregations were okay with Pokemon. Some were okay with Harry Potter. It just kind of depended. Depends on like the elder body, the presiding overseer and how he feels basically. And then on a family level, some families feel like it's a little bit overkill to not have friends outside of the religion. Or some feel like it's overkill to not go to college. So they're okay with it. Yeah, it'll make them a little bit more like social pariahs within the congregation, but that's okay. It's a risk worth taking to make sure the kid has a social group or has an education or whatever else. That's kind of how they view it. It, it really doesn't vary between countries. That is one of the foundational things that makes it a cult in the first place. There may be some variation between families or congregations to some degree, just a little bit, but not between countries. Anyway, thank you so much for the email. I appreciate that. I know we're staying away from the court, but isn't it funny how Justice Thomas mentioned the other marriage decisions but conveniently left out loving v. Virginia, interracial marriage? Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this. Roe v. Wade wasn't just about abortion rights. It was also about privacy rights. It was based on one of the amendments that revolved around privacy. So Roe v. Wade was based on that amendment about privacy. So was Loving v. Virginia. Loving v. Virginia, of course, is the interracial marriage one that allows people of different races to get married. Lawrence v. Texas was also based on that amendment. And that one says that you're allowed to engage in sexual acts with somebody of the same sex, basically. It goes far beyond that, but 
Just to simplify, that's what Lawrence is. Obergefell is also based on it, and that is gay marriage. Griswold, I believe, was also based on it. That allows people to get contraception. That legalizes the ability to use contraception. Okay, so interracial marriage, gay marriage, the act of being gay, using contraception, and Roe v. Wade. Those cases were all based on the precedent set in the privacy amendment that I'm talking about. Clarence Thomas specifically mentioned every one of those cases when overturning Roe v. Wade, except the interracial marriage one. He said, since we're overturning Roe v. Wade, we're going to have to revisit all of them. Lawrence, Griswold, and Obergefell. Uh, Clarence, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But if you're reanalyzing those, you're going to have to reanalyze Loving v. Virginia, which would invalidate your marriage, bud. The Supreme Court is not about law anymore. The Supreme Court is not about logic or reason or the social contract or any of that stuff. It is now about right-wing extremism and nothing else. That's what it's about. So they will try, I think, to overturn the cases that Clarence Thomas specifically said he wants to overturn. I believe they're going to try to overturn the ability to get contraception. I believe they're going to try to overturn gay marriage and the act of being gay. I believe they will. But I don't think they're going after interracial marriage because that would directly affect one of the court members, and they don't care if they're hypocrites or not. It doesn't matter. All they want to do is turn the U.S., into a far-right extremist autocracy, for lack of a better term. That's what it seems like to me. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Mark Burns getting indignant that we interpreted his comments about the LGBT community accurately. He said he wants the death penalty, and now he seems to be reversing his position. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Pastor Mark Burns used to be candidate Mark Burns, but he recently lost his election. He was running for U.S. Congress in North Carolina. Or no, I'm sorry, South Carolina. He was running for U.S. Congress in South Carolina. He was a hardcore Trumpist, like deep, deep Trump supporter. You know, election conspiracies and all of that, the whole nine yards. But like I said, he lost, so he's no longer candidate Mark Burns. He's Pastor Mark Burns now. In my eyes, it's still worth our time to look at what he has to say, though, because he is part of the political movement. He's contributing to it in his own ways. And again, he's a pastor. And when pastors get involved in politics like this, I feel the need to cover it. So with that being said, let me just refresh your memory on this thing that he said uh, last week, I think, because it's going to be relevant in a second. Listen to this clip. Early June 2022 is when, when he said this. Check this clip out. The LGBT transgender grooming our children's minds is a national security threat because it is ultimately designed to destabilize the republic we call the United States of America. That's why when I'm elected, I don't want to just vote 
I want to start holding people accountable for treason. Okay, so what he says here is LGBT allies. He's saying people like us should be held accountable for treason to the U.S. government. He says being in support of LGBT rights is a national security threat and we should be held accountable for treason, right? There are two parts to this clip, so that's the first section. And here's where he explains what he believes should happen to people who are charged with treason. Listen to this part. We need to hold people for treason, start having some public hearings, and start executing people who are found guilty for their treasonous acts against the Constitution of the United States of America, just like they did back in 1776. Okay, now I covered this last week, like I said. And at the time, when I was covering this, Newsweek, MSNBC, a whole bunch of other news networks were talking about it too. Because this guy just said he wants the death penalty for the LGBT community, for anybody from the LGBT community, right? That's pretty clear. There's no getting around that. That's what he said. He said, if you're an LGBT ally, you should be charged with treason. And then, a sentence or two later, he says... If you're charged with treason, you should receive the death penalty. Doesn't take a huge logical leap to get to where he is, right? The reason that this is relevant and the reason I'm playing this again is because after this was covered by MSNBC and Newsweek and all these others, he decided to backtrack. He decided he wasn't happy with the attention that got him. So he goes on this far-right conspiracy theory show called... Diamond and Silk. These two women on the left are named Diamond and Silk. This is on Lindell TV. I think they have their own TV show on Mike Lindell's TV network. Anyway, we'll get into them in a minute. They have their own can of worms that we're going to have to get into. But he goes on Diamond and Silk to defend himself. So let's listen to how he decided to defend himself from his crystal clear comments. Listen to this. If people would just go do their due diligence and just watch the show in its entirety, then you would clearly hear me not say that we should be killing the LGBT or transgender uh, you know, community. You know, we've been getting blasted. OK, so he says it's a context problem. If we just went back and listened to it in its entirety, huh? OK, well, uh, you know, I skipped a little bit. I did. I skipped some. So let's start at the end of his LGBT sentence and go all the way to the beginning of his what you do to traitors sentence. Listen to the gap in between, okay? Check this out. I don't want to just vote. I want to start holding people accountable for treason. This is about the LGBT community. He says, people from the LGBT community are a national security threat. When I get to Congress, I'm not just going to vote on bills. I'm going to hold these people accountable for treason. Right. That's that's where he led us in this sentence just now. And then he says, I am going to push to reenact HUAC. HUAC is the House of Un-American Activities Committee. It was a real committee that was formulated back in the 50s. HUAC was a House committee that perpetrated McCarthyism. It was like an anti-communist committee. And they were like jailing people, firing people from their jobs, and all kinds of crazy stuff if they were communist or socialist or whatever. It was part of the whole Red Scare or whatever else. So he wants to formulate a, following his train of thought, he wants to formulate a committee, 
House of Un-American Activities Committee dedicated to finding members of the LGBT community and holding them accountable for treason. That's what he said. That's what this is, right? No way to misinterpret this. And it's a, a committee that we should reenact that starts holding these people accountable for treason. Lindsey Graham. Now he says we're going to want to hold these people accountable for treason. End of sentence. Beginning of a new sentence. Now he's talking about Lindsey Graham. Okay. I just want to make sure we have full context for this whole thing so he can't weasel his way out. Lindsey Graham should be held accountable for treason for supporting Joe Biden's gun-grabbing Second Amendment law that he's trying to push forward. Lindsey Graham, my opponent's mentor, just stated that I am supporting all initiatives that Joe Biden has put forward with gun control, and he is pushing for others, Democrats, to push it to a vote. So what I'm picking up is not only does he want to charge members of the LGBT community with treason, but he also wants to charge Lindsey Graham with treason for what, I guess, disagreeing with something? I mean, this is like a thought crime at this point. Mitch McConnell just stated to urge other Dem Republican senators to support Lindsey Graham to come after our guns, to confiscate our guns. That should be held for treason, not just be voting people. No, we need to hold people for treason, start having some public hearings, and start executing people who are found guilty for their treasonous acts against the Constitution of the United States of America, just like they did back in 1776. Okay, so what he's saying here, I get the impression the reason that he was talking about people who support the LGBT community, the reason he said that is because everything else in this whole sentence was about thought crimes. Everything in this whole thing was thought crime related. Lindsey Graham doesn't agree with him on the Second Amendment or gun legislation. The LGBT community doesn't agree with him on certain things, so they should be held for treason. And ultimately, HUAC, the House of Un-American Activities Committee, that was a thought crime committee, ultimately. That's what it was all about, thought crimes. If they thought that you believed in communism, you could be charged, you could be sentenced, you could be put in jail for that. Or you could, at the very least, be fired from your job and ostracized from your community. So this guy very clearly picked two things, two subjects, LGBT rights and gun rights, and said, if you disagree with him on those two things, you should be held for treason. And we all know what he said should happen for people who are charged with treason. There's no way to misinterpret that. I don't know how else he expects us to read that. I'm just listening to the words he says and understanding them. That's it. What did you mean if not that, Mark? Then you would clearly hear me not say that we should be killing the LGBT or transgender uh, you know, community. You know that is exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. There are other clips of him saying it about the trans community. I haven't played those in this one or in the last video I did on him, but they are out there and I do have them. We've been getting blasted from, from the gay community and trans community from all over the country because, uh, you know, Newsweek and MSNBC and all of those other liberal medias uh, took pieces of two answers that there was two separate questions there were two separate topics no no it wasn't two separate questions two separate topics you were telling us what you believe should happen to traitors and you said members of the lgbt community 
are traitors. And so is Lindsey Graham for supporting gun legislation. That's what she said. That wasn't two different questions or two different answers. There was no cut in the middle. There was no fade to black and then jump to another answer in there. I had one full and complete segment from you, Mark. There's no way to weasel out of this. I was talking about, yes, we do need to be holding people for treason in America. Those that are doing business with China, those that are doing business with Iran. No, no, that's not what you were talking about. You didn't mention China or Iran in that clip. Did, did he forget what he even said? Like, we just watched it. We can pull this up. And for that matter, why is he even on a far right conspiracy TV network with far right conspiracy theorists trying to defend this? These are the types of people, Diamond and Silk, who are in complete support of the statement like that. If he really did want to charge the LGBT community with treason, these are the people that would stand behind him and their listeners. I honestly don't know why he decided to go here and correct the, the record, quote unquote. Bizarre. That includes elected officials. That includes the media. That includes, uh, uh, you know, any person that is that is undermining the sovereignty of our great nation. We call it the United States of America. They need to be held accountable for treason. Anybody who undermines the sovereignty of this great nation? Interesting you say that because, you know, some would say Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Andy Biggs, Mo Brooks, Donald Trump. Some would say that they kind of, uh, what was it? He, what was the phrase he used? Undermined the sovereignty of the United States. So if you're going to start doing that, you're going to have to put them at the front of the line. Just like Hillary Clinton, just like uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. They keep doing these nefarious things and getting away with it. Fauci, Fauci needs to be held accountable for treason for knowing that the death uh, that, 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 that what he's been pushing on Americans and the mass that has been pushing on Americans that's a false narrative that is that is funding big pharma there is nothing in this guy's head but propaganda is there nothing completely empty except propaganda what does Hunter Biden did he say we should charge Hunter Biden's laptop with treason? Is that what he said? What did Hillary Clinton do that was treasonous to the United States? What who was the last person? Fauci? What did Fauci do that was treasonous to the United States? Like I know you've got your conspiracy theories and all that stuff. Do you have anything solid? Do you have anything concrete that's not a thought crime? You can't just give people you don't like the death penalty. There has to be something behind it. The guy seems to be openly calling for authoritarianism and violating human rights. I don't know how else to read this. I'm so glad he lost his primary. Unfortunately, he's obviously still involved in the in political discourse in the United States. He is on Lindell TV. Like, this is a real full-blown TV network that he's on. These people are incredibly well-known in some political circles. It's disturbing stuff, dude. But yet millions of uh, uh, Americans are dying at the hands of their poor instructions. They need to be held accountable. Their poor instructions? What is he talking about? Uh, big pharma people dying because of their poor instructions. Really, there's nothing in this guy's head but propaganda, and he assumes that everybody else is on board with that propaganda, and that's why he makes absolutely no sense. 
but we're not doing that. And so they took that answer of me talking about HUAC, the House of Un-American Activities Committee, and then they mixed it with another part of a question, which was about how we should not be allowing the transgender agenda into our public school. No. It was nothing about that. We watched the clip in its entirety. It had nothing to do with what he's saying here. And I don't know why he's trying to defend himself on this show of all places. He would get more votes and higher ratings if he doubled down on his whole charge LGBT people with treason bit. Does he think this is making him more popular? It just blows my mind. Like, where's this dude's head? Diamond and Silk, though, I haven't talked about them before. I've known about them for a long time. Those are the two women on the left here, the left of the screen. They run this show on Lindell TV. So let me give you a little bit of background into who these people are. Let's see what type of audience Mark Burns was addressing when he made all of these arguments. This is Diamond and Silk's show on June 19th, 2022, okay? Listen to this. Individual carbon footprint tracker. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Yeah, these are global elitists. These are global thugs. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I call them their evildoers. Uh-huh. So they seem to be upset over the idea that people want to create carbon footprint, uh, carbon footprint trackers, right? Nobody said they were mandatory. They just said they were trying to work on carbon footprint trackers. There are companies out there that'll help you calculate your carbon footprint so that you can figure out how to counteract that. Donate to an organization or something that matches the amount of carbon that you're putting into the atmosphere and have them plant an equivalent number of trees or something like that. Why is it a bad thing to know how much carbon you're putting into the atmosphere? Nobody said a word about forcing it on you, but that's automatically where these two women went. By the way, that last clip, that was from Newsmax. If you're unfamiliar with Newsmax, it's like Fox News, except 10 times worse. Conspiracies left and right. Practically every word out of anybody's mouth on this TV network is propaganda. Anyway, let listen to what Diamond and Silk had to say in response to the idea that a carbon tracker might exist i i, I call them their evil doers uh-huh because why is it that you mm-hmm. feel like your lily made self, self want to track other people uh-huh. like we some type of rabbit dog or some type of animal or something or a robot uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. yeah like what you why are you all sitting your lily made self up there uh-huh. trying to play god when you're not Come on. okay no one's trying to play god we're just trying to prevent the planet from turning into an apocalyptic wasteland. That's it. And we're not forcing it on anybody. We're just trying to make something that people could use to improve the world a little bit. When did it become left wing to be concerned about pollution, for example? Why is pollution a left wing, right wing problem? This makes no sense. God when you're not. Come on. When you're not. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, this is why we cannot allow Come them to chip away at our, our Second, Second Amendment, Amendment. because on. we may need it still. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, wait. I wasn't sure which one was which. I wasn't sure which one was diamond and which was silk, but I think the one on the left just called the one on the right silk, so. Yeah, I guess the one on the right is silk. The one on the left is diamond. Really interesting names. Anyway, you catch what they just said. This is why we can't allow them to chip away at our Second Amendment rights because we we may need them. Wow. 
just wow. Um, so I guess they buy guns and they keep guns around them at all times, just in case a carbon footprint tracker is created, not used on you, but just created. These people really do just straight up live in a fantasy land where they seem to believe that like the government is out to get them 24-7. Or somebody's always out to get them. If it's not the government, then it's left-wingers, it's the Democrats, it's, uh, there's always somebody, there's always some enemy hunting them, coming out to get them, and they need guns to protect themselves from them. It's just uh, an unhinged, confusing world to live in, honestly. You think they're not tracking you through your phone right now? Seriously, what kind of fantasy land do these people live in? Do you not realize that they've been tracking you through your phone since uh, 2003 or something? Have you not heard of the PRISM program? Have you not heard of, like, the Edward Snowden leaks through... What's his name? Um, God, I, I don't remember the dude's name. The Intercept guy, uh, whoever it is. Yeah, Patriot Act. Yeah, that's the thing. Patriot Act. Patriot Act was enacted on October 26, 2001. Guess what? Diamond and Silk, they've been tracking you through your phone since that past. And it's only been getting worse and worse and worse. Glenn Greenwald, that's the guy's name. I, I wanted to say Griswold, probably because I got the Supreme Court on the brain at the moment. Anyway, Glenn Greenwald, yeah, he was the reporter who released all the prison papers and stuff with Edward Snowden. It blows my mind that these people honestly don't even realize that they're being tracked 24-7. By the government, by Facebook, by everybody. Everybody is tracking you, and they have been for, like, decades now. And you're afraid of a carbon tracker? Like, they would need a carbon tracker to track you. This is almost as bizarre to me as the claim that they need a microchip through a vaccine to track you. They've been tracking you through your phone for 20 years, okay? They don't need a microchip in a vaccine to do it. Just blows me away. Where are these people's heads? Are they not thinking critically? No, they're not. Honestly, that's the answer. They are not thinking critically, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And make us into something that we are not. And they're pushing this yeah. mess on to the people. Making us into something that we're not? What does that mean? We're talking about tracking you. How would that make you into something that you're not? I feel like this goes just a little bit deeper than just tracking you and enters into, like, turn you into a lizard person through a vaccine conspiracy theory. I think that's kind of where it's headed a little bit. And the people are telling you, we don't want this. We don't want that. We don't want this here. You got these people sitting up here trying to make decisions for the rest of the world. Who are they? Yes. Okay, a lot of these people were elected to be in charge of the districts that they're in charge of. They're not in charge of the world. Who they're talking about here is the World Economic Forum. There's this whole conspiracy revolving around the World Economic Forum called the Great Reset. And it's honestly completely baseless. And I talk about it in a video that comes out on my Telltale Unfiltered channel on July 1st. It's with Mel Kay. I debunk Mel Kay and a bunch of great reset stuff, she said. Well, anyway, I go through the whole thing and break down exactly what the great reset is and all kinds of other stuff. In fact, I may insert a clip of that into this so that you can just see a sample of what I talk about on the unfiltered channel. I may even link the full video in the description if you want to see the rest of it. 
let me just add this to because this is like either three or four years ago. Uh, I don't. I didn't check with him to get his permission to to quote him, so I won't say. It, but one of the prophets that has been on Elijah stream three or four years ago, we went out to lunch after the show because it was in the studio back then, and he said, "You know, Steve, uh, Facebook was created by the CIA," and I'm going what you know back then we were all sound asleep i mean you may not have been but i and this is supposed to be a prophecy from god we were all sound asleep oh my god uh wake up sheeple this is so funny dude <clears throat> facebook was created by the cia okay go on i was totally sound asleep i just thought that sounded like delicious now and you're saying not only facebook but twitter was oh, also all of it. I mean, it's hard to believe, but wow! And he he buys it now. This is so ridiculous. I can't even. I I do now. Yeah, I mean the the sad thing is, like you brought up the food shortages. This is the this is all in their playbook. Everyone should. I can send you a link too. Everyone should take a look at the Rockefeller Foundation 2010 a document on um, basically Operation Lockstep in the you know the CIA and. And their cohorts um, always have some kind of operation, something. Well, this thing in 2010 came out shortly after another meeting at the Rockefeller Institute with Bill Gates and Bloomberg and, and a lot of the people involved. Oh, my God. These are all the centers of so many conspiracies. Bloomberg and Bill Gates and all that stuff. So sad, dude. So sad. So I'm looking at this BBC News article. The title is What is the Great Reset and How Did It Get Hijacked by Conspiracy Theories? A vague set of proposals from an influential organization has been transformed by online conspiracy theorists into a powerful viral rallying cry. What is the truth behind the Great Reset? That's the title of the article. Where did it begin? Like many popular conspiracy theories, this one starts with a grain of fact, as I said a minute ago. In June 2020, the Prince of Wales and the head of the annual Davos Summit launched an initiative calling for the pandemic to be seen as a chance for what they call a great reset of the global economy. A flashy launch video interspersed images of a world in chaos. A dead killer whale, a hurricane kangaroo caught in a fire with a speech by Prince Charles. You can watch it on YouTube, apparently, but that's, that's the video, basically. We have an incredible opportunity to create an entirely new sustainable industry, the prince said. It's time to act now. The other founder of the initiative is Professor Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, which organizes an annual summit in a Swiss ski resort for some of the world's wealthiest and most powerful people. He explained the idea behind the Great Reset in an article accompanying the launch. Here's a quote. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect reimagine and reset our world to create a healthier more equitable and more prosperous future why wouldn't these people want a, a more equitable future or more equitable economy there's a great reset podcast and even a 280 page book but the plan is light on specific detail professor professor schwab does speak about a wealth tax and ending fossil fuel subsidies. But the scope is huge, covering technology, climate change, the future of work, international security, and other themes. And it's difficult to see precisely what the Great Reset might mean in practice. The lack of clarity combined with the plan being launched by an influential organization provided fertile ground for the conspiracy theories to grow. Okay, this is the conspiracy section of it. The proposals, along with the WEF, World Economic Forum, 
itself face legitimate criticism from a variety of sources. Conservative political figures and media outlets accuse the organization of pushing for environmental policies that would hurt the economy. There are questions about whether unelected individuals like Mr. Mr. Schwab should have the power to lobby so prominently for ideas that could potentially transform the the global economy. The Davos meeting is certainly filled with powerful people who have a huge influence on world events. There are also concerns about the impact of technology on civil liberties and jobs. Number of great reset posts on Facebook. Oh, this is interesting. Between June 2020 and May 2021, it just exploded. Trudeau apparently put out a video about it. And after Trudeau put out a video, it exploded, apparently. The real energy online is not about legitimate political questions, discussions about fossil fuels and income inequality, but the shape of the wild and and unsubstantiated claims. The term Great Reset has received more than 8 million interactions on Facebook and been shared almost 2 million times on Twitter since the initiative was launched, according to BBC Monitoring Research. Among the most popular posts are baseless statements that the Great Reset is a strategic part of a grand conspiracy by the global elite who somehow planned and managed the COVID-19 pandemic. In this narrative, lockdown restrictions were introduced not to curb and spread, not, not to curb the spread of the virus, but to deliberately bring about economic collapse and a socialist world government, albeit run for the benefit of powerful capitalists. Wow, that's absolutely nuts. Oh my God, J.P. Sears is in this uh, BBC article. That dude used to be kind of funny, completely disconnected from reality now, that guy is. He is nutty. Franklin Graham's in it too. And who is Ed? Wait, Emerald Robinson? Never heard of Emerald Robinson before. God, this is this is crazy, dude. This Great Reset conspiracy is nuts. The the nebulousness of this conspiracy theory means it's found followers among anti-vax activists, anti-lockdown campaigners, New Age healers, and those on the far right and far left. Melanie Smith, head of analysis at Graphica, who researches online movements and disinformation, says the rumors are typical of anti-establishment conspiracy theories. The most intricate of those typically prove popular with government skeptics from across the political spectrum, she says. In the hands of a diverse group of online activists, the Great Reset has been transformed from a call to encourage people to think about sustainable futures, uh, to think about a sustainable future, or to a sinister plot against humanity. There we go. Oh, geez, I saw a sign outside of a Seventh-day Adventist church near my house that said something about the Great Reset a few months ago. Now it's all clicking into place, huh? You're you're remembering all the times you saw a bunch of people mentioning the Great Reset? Yeah, it's just a conspiracy theory, of course. But I wanted to give you guys some background into what the Great Reset is. Anyway, so that's the Great Reset. That's why the World Economic Forum is so significant to them and why they think they're being tracked. And there's just this whole big conspiracy built up around the World Economic Forum. That's why they're losing their minds over it. In charge. Who said you all was in charge? Just because you done made a little money, uh-huh. you think you can tell the little people what to do? Come on. Well, just yeah. because you are grasshopper, uh-huh. is more ants ants than grasshoppers. That's right. Understand that. Uh- I don't. I don't understand that. I'm sorry. I'm trying. 
uh, honestly. They're more ant than grasshopper. Is this a reference to that Disney movie, A Bug's Life? I thought they didn't like Disney. I'm just so confused by all of this. That's right. Understand that. Uh-huh. It's more of us than them. And what is keeping up with our carbon footprint? How is that going to help we, the American people? But why are they worried about tracking us? Okay, they are not worried about tracking you. They're trying to give you the ability to track yourself. If you know what your carbon footprint is, you can take steps to mitigate that, to counteract that. I mean, there are calculators online all over the place that'll help you figure this out. Honestly, I'm not even convinced that that's even a real clip, to tell you the truth at this point. What would a carbon tracker do for anybody? Like, you could just use a calculator and figure it out yourself. You don't need a tracker. I don't know. I guess, like, trackers could be useful if you own a farm, and it could help you figure out, like, how much methane your animals are releasing into the atmosphere or something like that. But... You can take steps to mitigate the damage if you know exactly how much damage you personally are doing. That's the point. Again, I'm, I'm not even convinced this is real at this point. Worried about tracking us. Oh! Well, what do you all have planned? Oh, that's the undercover hoopla. That's the undercover hoopla. Gotcha. Listen, I don't believe that the United States of America want to go into globalism, uh -uh. socialism, uh -uh. or communism. That's right. Now, if that's what y'all want to do, go build yourself an island. Uh-huh and do it over there. That's right. But not here, not in America. Okay, nobody in charge, nobody in any kind of position of political power in the US has anything to do with communism. I mean, there are some social democrats in the United States. That's not socialism by any stretch of the imagination. This is just absolutely unhinged stuff, dude. And and here's the point. Why did Mark Burns go on their show of all places to tell their audience that he didn't want to charge the LGBT community with treason? Why did he tell their audience? If anything, he just lowered his ratings by telling them that. If he wanted to improve his ratings among the general population, he should have gone on MSNBC or Newsweek or someplace like that that covered this originally to spread that message. And he should have doubled down on the other message, the one about charging them with treason, on Diamond and Silk's podcast or whatever. It seems to me that this dude is completely incompetent when it comes to social media or media training in general. But I guess that worked out for the best for us, right? I mean, at least he lost his primary, at least as a result, at least indirect result, he's not going to be in government. Not right now, anyways. Next, we're going to talk about Senate candidate Eric Greitens releasing a disturbing campaign ad where he encourages people to go rhino hunting. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. For those who may be unfamiliar, Eric Greitens is the ex-governor of Missouri, and he's now running for Senate. So who is he? What's he all about? Let me play this clip for you from uh, MSNBC. This is from Morning Joe. This clip's going to be relevant in a minute. So listen to what they have to say about Eric Greitens. They did a whole segment on him. 
Mm -hmm. I want to remind you again, remind our audience again about the comments retired federal judge J. Michael Ludig made last week. J. Michael Ludig, by the by, is a federal judge who testified in the January 6th hearings that Trump actually tried to overthrow the government and we almost lost democracy and things like that. Like he did a whole bunch of testifying for him. Uh, anyway, he's an extremely influential, important and notable conservative judge in conservative circles. So it was a big deal that he came out and said that at the hearings. In the January 6th hearing saying, quote, Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. And I want you to see what a former governor of Missouri, now a Senate candidate, has put out in the new campaign ad that like a hundred other Republican ads this cycle uses guns and incites violence against his primary opponents. Take a look. So I was actually going to play the ad myself, but when I found this clip, when I was doing research for the segment, I realized they didn't play the ad and they gave compelling reasons not to so i decided not to play it either so just listen to their description of the ad if you're curious of what happened in the ad just look it up it's on twitter all over the place eric greitens it's his name is like in the description and other places in the title of this video and everything if you need to know how to spell it just copy and paste into twitter if you want to see the ad it's former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, who is vying to fill a vacant Senate seat in the state. And he released the ad yesterday, and we'll just show you video here. He announces that he's, literally, he announces he's going, quote, rhino hunting. If you're unfamiliar, rhino stands for Republican in name only, and it's the title that Trump gives to people, to Republicans who don't support Trump. So you're not a Republican if you don't stand behind Donald Trump, basically, is, is the whole bit here. So he says he's going rhino hunting in the ad. Uh, that's pretty obvious. And he's not in the wild looking for rhinos either. He's busting into a house in the campaign ad with a SWAT team. The video dis depicts an armed Greitens bursting into a house alongside men in tactical gear. He also encourages viewers to, quote, join the MAGA crew and get a rhino hunting permit. Facebook parent company Meta says it removed the video from its sites because it violated rules, rules about violence. Twitter flagged the video but did not all right, remove all right. it. So, so, so hold on a second. So yeah, he's actually, we can't show this ad, Gene, I guess. I thought we were going to show this ad because well, it's too violent. You have Greitens going in and kicking down a door with guns and tells everybody to follow him. And and Rhino is is basically, again, it, it, it's, it's what really stupid people call other Republicans who disagree with them. And by the way, stupid people pre-Trump were even calling people rhinos. Uh, and and mm -hmm. it, it's for moderate Republicans or Republicans that disagree with them on on the insurrection. This it's is fascism. Sad. I'm honestly kind of surprised to hear him describe it as fascism. But yeah, the bottom line is that Eric Greitens has exited free speech territory and entered inciting violence territory. And this is a disturbing road to go down. This is a disturbing state to be in as a country i mean as far as i'm concerned this should be illegal he should be put in jail for this my moral line is encouraging violence 
Now, that line gets a little bit blurrier when you're dealing with things like stochastic terrorism. It's been defined as the incitement of a violent act through public demonization of a group or an individual. Stated another way, the term has been said to mean acts of violence by random extremists triggered by political demagoguery. So here's an example for you. Bill O'Reilly went on his show on Fox News every night and talked about Dr. Tiller. Dr. Tiller was this family planning doctor that was working at like a Planned Parenthood or something. I don't know exactly. Maybe it was his own practice. I don't know. But he was doing abortions. And Bill O'Reilly demonized this guy every single night. Every night. Over and over and over again. Made up nicknames for him. Like Tiller the Killer and stuff like that. It got very, very graphic and dark quickly. Until one day... Somebody showed up in front of Dr. Tiller and killed him. Boom, just like that. That was an act of stochastic terrorism. That's what that is. I have an audience of 350,000 at this immediate moment, give or take, right? That's how many subscribers I have on YouTube at the moment. So my audience is 350,000, say. If I start demonizing somebody, if I start saying that this person is evil and they've done all this bad stuff and they should, somebody should do something about it or whatever else... Statistically, if only 0.1% of my audience is not all there mentally, which is a, a statistically sound assumption to make, like some percentage of the population is deeply deranged and has deep issues that need to be worked out, right? So even if 0.1% of my audience is in that place in their lives, in their heads, it only takes one. It only takes one person. If my audience is 350,000 people and only 0.1% are not all there mentally and are willing to do crazy things, that's 350 people. That's 350 people in my audience. If only 10% of those 350 people in my audience have the means and the motive and the opportunity, like they own guns or whatever, they live in the area, it's a recipe for disaster. And that is exactly how it played out with Bill O'Reilly and Dr. Tiller. Now scale that up. Eric Greitens does a political ad where he's going rhino hunting, telling people to get their rhino hunting pass or their rhino hunting license or whatever on his website at the end of the ad. He said that. There's no bagging limit. There's no tagging limit. Get your license on my website and we'll keep going until we get America back. That, that is full-blown stochastic terrorism at best. I think this crossed right into full-blown domestic terrorism. In my opinion, we're, we're reaching that point now. So my point here is there is a line, right? There, there's a line between yelling fire in a crowded theater or d direct calls like, I want somebody to do this or do that. There's a difference between that and stochastic terrorism, which is just demonizing somebody until statistically it's likely that somebody in your audience is going to do something crazy. Legally speaking, I think you're not allowed to directly call for violence. I think that's actually against the law and you can get in a lot of trouble for it. But you can't be charged for stochastic terrorism, as far as I know. I've never seen a case of that before. In my opinion you should be able to be charged, or at the very least, sued. I don't think people should be allowed to get away with demonizing people the way that, say, Donald Trump has. 
and ruining their lives, making the FBI get involved, making them look behind every corner for fear somebody's going to come out and do something to them. It's deeply, deeply wrong. And, and Trump was the king of stochastic terrorism. And here we have Eric Greitens following in his footsteps. What Eric Greitens did, I don't know if it's illegal or not, but it's right on the edge. It's right on the border between stochastic and outright incitement. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever find out if this was legal or not, because I don't think he'd be charged either way, being a higher-up government official. Anyway, let's keep listening to Morning Joe and, and hear what else they had to say, because like I said, this clip with Morning Joe, it becomes relevant in a second. I, I, I tried to bring this up, and there were a couple of people that were being polite yesterday going, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't call it fascism, and I don't know whether it's, fa it's oh fascism. This no, is using is. violence and violent imagery uh, to, to basically tell people, vote for me, uh, a civil war's coming. You know, it's, 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 it's yeah. where we are. It's where the Republican Party is right now. And every Republican needs to call this out unless they want fascism to continue to rise in their party. I agree with Joe completely. Joe, the guy speaking, he is, I think, a Republican. Joe Scarborough is his name. And they have, he has a show with his co-host Mika Brzezinski. It surprises me that he's talking about fascism in the first place. I, I don't Maybe he switched parties at this point. Who knows? But, you know, Republicans generally don't like to acknowledge it when fascism appears. They don't like to talk about the fact that fascism is here in America. But th he's right. This is totally, absolutely, 100% fascism. That's what this is. There's no other way to look at this. Nothing else to call it. It's, it's authoritarianism. It's fascism. It's extremism. So anyways, Eric Greitens goes on Steve Bannon's show to talk about the ad and how it went. Talk about Morning Joe addressing it. Listen to this. Late June 2022 is when he went on this. You know what? I would happily accept an invitation and be happy to go on with Joe and Mika to debate all of those issues. And the reason why they engage in name calling against me, the reason why they engage in name calling against President Trump, the reason why they engage in name calling against all of the true America first candidates and all of the true MAGA leaders is because they can't actually debate on the issues. See, now he's trying to paint himself as some bastion of freedom of speech. We can resolve all of our problems with our words. That's not what he's trying to do in the ad. He is trying to convince people that the only way that this problem can be solved is through guns. That's what the ad was all about. Suddenly he wants to use words and pretend they're being unreasonable because they won't use words. In my opinion, I know this is controversial. A lot of people don't feel this way or believe this or whatever else. When you bring violence into the conversation, that should be the end of it. There's no more conversation to be had with you. It should come to an abrupt end. I'm not discussing anything with Eric Greitens, and no one else should either. He brought violence into the conversation. It's over now. You have delegitimized yourself in every conversation you have moving forward because you've shown yourself to have an interest in solving problems through violence. And that is an unacceptable solution in my eyes. So, no, Eric, you're not a bastion of free speech. You are so upset 
at other people's free speech that you are willing to make an advertisement about going rhino hunting over it. There is no legitimacy left to what this guy has to say at this point. A couple of minutes later, he comes out and he says this on Bannon's show. Listen to this next clip. There's one thing about being provocative. There's another thing about crossing a line. Do you believe, in hindsight, now that it's out, you've seen all the controversy, but you've also seen the traffic, I'm sure, it's driven to your campaign site. When you balance provocative versus maybe I crossed the line here, where does Eric Greitens come out? Steve Bannon likes to pretend to be, you know, a centrist when he asks questions. Like, I don't even see the point in pretending. Steve Bannon is not a centrist by any stretch of the imagination. Steve Bannon is a far-right nutcase. Uh, there really is no better way to put it. Oh, we're 100% proud of this ad, Steve. We're glad that it's had over 5 million views. And the fact is, all normal people who actually see this ad, they also see that it is a metaphor. Yeah, I know. It's a metaphor for Republicans in name only. I caught that. Yeah. I didn't think you were actually going hunting for rhinoceri or whatever they are, rhinoceroses. I didn't think you were going hunting for those. I thought you were talking about Republicans in name only. I got the metaphor you're trying to communicate. Was not lost on me. Just, what is wrong with this guy, honestly? How do you get to this point? Listen to this next clip. This is June 22nd. This is MSNBC's continued coverage of the situation. They got his Democratic opponent on to talk about the ad and about Eric Greitens himself. Check it out. Eric Greitens is now running for the Senate, and he's running a web ad showing armed men in tactical gear in search of so-called rhinos. Joining me now is Marine veteran Lucas Coons, who's running for the Democratic Senate nomination in Missouri. Well, tell me your reaction to the Greitens ad. We are not playing it. Uh, it's on the web, but uh, a number of the, the tech companies have refused to play it as well uh, because of fears of what it might inspire. Understandable. Absolutely. Yeah, that's... I was going to play it myself. I decided not to because these other news networks decided not to. So I guess responsibility or whatever. Fears of what it might inspire. There's enough political violence out there. I would assume you'd agree with that. Absolutely. And like, here's the thing, like this guy, you, you read off his crimes, right? He is a criminal. This ad is no surprise. The guy's assaulted people, including his wife and kids. And he's stolen from his veterans charity. Like this is Eric Greitens showing his true colors. And what we need to make sure we do is we cannot let the Eric Greitens of the world own the discussion. He's a literal criminal and we have to fight back. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we were not trained to look the other way when there was a threat. We faced that threat head on and we eliminated. And we're, you know, we have done a response against him. We're gonna continue to do that. We're gonna continue to fight back against this guy because that is what the working people of this state absolutely deserve. That's interesting, right? So I got to thinking to myself, what's all this about criminality? So I looked it up, and sure enough, the dude does have a criminal record. How about that, right? Let's just take a quick glance through his Wikipedia page just to see like what's going on with all that. Wikipedia is not the best source, but they do it's a good source finder. So they have like they have these citations here. You can click on them and follow it to like news reports of the whole situation. So I'm comfortable reading from this Wikipedia page knowing that I can access the sources here. As it turns out, the guy was 
charged and indicted for all kinds of crazy stuff. Listen to this. On January 10th, 2018, ahead of an investigative report released by St. Louis CBS affiliate KMOV the same evening, Greitens publicly disclosed that he had engaged in an extramarital affair with his hairstylist, who only identifies herself as KS. This is coming from a family values candidate, right? Uh, This happened in 2015. He and his wife issued a joint statement in which he acknowledged the affair, called it a deeply personal mistake, and and that we dealt with it together honestly and privately. Okay, you know what? It's hypocritical because it's coming from a family values candidate. But if he and his wife worked this out between them, who am I to air their dirty laundry? Except it doesn't end there, of course. KMOV played a recording made by the hairstylist's then-husband in which she said that Greitens had invited her to his home, where she'd consented to having her hands... She was blindfolded. In the recording, the hairstylist added that while she was blindfolded, Greitens took pictures of her without her consent and threatened to share them if she ever went public with the affair. She alleges Greitens told her, you're not going to mention my name. Don't even mention my name to anybody at all, because if you do, I'm going to take these pictures and I'm going to put them everywhere I can. She tried to leave, but reported to a special investigative committee on oversight of the Missouri House of Representatives that Greitens pulled her into a bear hug, common abuse tactic, uh, intimidation tactic, so that she was now lying on the basement floor crying. There's a lot more to this. There's also an indictment for privacy violations, and a bunch of other stuff. I don't know how the guy is even a candidate for anything political right now. How is it that you can try to overthrow democracy or get 16 felonies on your record or whatever, corruption charges, you're impeached from office or whatever, anything, and you can run again? How is it possible that you can that there are basically no restrictions on what will keep you out of office. It's absolutely mind-blowing to me. Eric Greitens is obviously an absolutely terrible person. The political ad is just the icing on the cake. The guy has done monstrous things and been indicted for them. Indicted. And he's still a candidate for senator. We have to get out there and vote for the Democratic candidate. And if you can... Find other ways to support him. If you can't afford to donate, phone bank for him. Uh, If you're in the area, do door knocking for him. Whatever you can. We've got to keep this guy out of office because this kind of political extremism is spreading. We have to do everything we can to stop it at the source. Here's my question. Should we bar people from running for office who act like this, who do things like this? I don't see any way of actually accomplishing that. But if we could, should there be tests in place to prevent people from running for office? And if so, what should those tests be? Right now, there are no tests or preventions for anybody, practically, to run for office. Like, anybody can, for any reason, you need absolutely no qualifications. Should there be qualifications? Let me know what you think in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert holding a campaign event at a church. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
Lauren Boebert has always been ultra-religious, but it looks like she's putting extra effort in right now to erode the separation between church and state, which is already weak to begin with. She came out on stage late June 2022, and she said this. Check this clip out. I love the Constitution because it highlights we the people, and we the people are we the church. Is she saying she believes the Constitution was referring strictly to Christian church members when it talks about we the people? That is a fantasy land if I have ever heard of one. That is complete nonsense. It was talking about the people in the United States. It explicitly said in the Constitution, there won't be any religious tests or any of that stuff. Then there will be a separation between church and state. The Establishment Clause, First Amendment. How did she miss this? This is Christian nationalism rewriting history. She's trying to make it out as though you can't be a U.S. citizen and an atheist simultaneously. If you want to be a U.S. citizen, you have to be a Christian. That's what she's trying to say here. You can't be an atheist. You can't be a Muslim. You can't be Jewish can't be Buddhist. It has to be Christian. And that's called Christian nationalism. That's what that is. Are we the church? Amen. And church, this is our year. This is our time to rise up and show forth the goodness of God, the love of God. So that's what Lauren Boebert had to say about the Constitution recently, revisionist history at its finest. But I wanted to take a look at some historical stuff because I found this from mid-September 2021 where she went campaigning at a church. She actually held a campaign event and collected donations at Andrew Womack's church. That's illegal, by the way. She hasn't faced any repercussions for it and neither has Andrew Womack, but that's neither here nor there. Check this out, mid-September 2021. All right, I heard this from Richard and I just asked her, and I just asked her, and we aren't able to give her an honorarium. What's an honorarium? Yeah, I heard that conversation. The woman said, no, no, we're not. That's weird. What's an honorarium? I don't understand. And why can't they give her one? Why wouldn't they give her one? I'm being told in the chat that an honorarium is payment for her speech, basically. Can they pay her for coming to speak. I don't think that's illegal for a church to pay somebody to come speak to the congregation, is it? And even if it was against the Johnson Amendment or whatever, they're actually asking their church members to donate to her campaign right now. That's literally what they're doing, and that is explicitly defined in the 501c3 section of tax code that you're not allowed to do that as a church. Has nothing to do with, like, legal red tape because they're already blatantly violating the law by having her hold a campaign event at their church in the first place. So uh, I asked Lauren if we were able to give her an honorarium and she said no, and Richard had already told me that. But uh, I've already read, I'm, uh, Jamie and I have contributed to her reelection. Yes, and uh, I've read that they've got some heavy hitters coming in. A lot of the Democrats are pouring a tremendous amount of money into yes. trying to silence this woman. 
Okay, to trying to silence this woman. I, I don't think that's why people are donating against her. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to let that one slide. And so what I'd like to ask you to do, how could they contribute if they want to be a part of your deal? That is against the law, what they're doing here. That's illegal. September 2021, what came of it? Nothing. Big surprise. Absolutely nothing. LaurenForFreedom.com. All right. So Lauren for Freedom. That's what this is all about, freedom. And, you know, we have over a thousand people here. And if everybody gave 20 bucks, that'd be a good honorary. Yes. And if you could give more, that'd be great. But why don't uh, we, you just do that on your own, laurenforfreedom.com. And let's support her and help her. She's on the lines fighting for us, and we need to be a part of what she's doing. Thank you, Thank Thank you. you very Thank much. You. God you. bless you. This is such a blessing and an honor. Thank you. Blatantly illegal what they just did. Blatantly against U.S. tax code, Andrew Womack should have his tax-exempt status removed. But, interestingly enough, I actually got a few more clips from this whole thing. So I figured we'd take a look at a couple of them, see what else happened. This is from earlier in the night, mid-September 2021. Watch this. Uh, they were praying together, I believe. Uh, Lauren Boebert was leading the church in prayer, I, I think. And weirdly, Andrew Womack is as the pastor, standing behind her with his hand in the air like he just don't care? Weird. And I thank you, Lord, that those men and women that have lost their lives in the name of freedom, the 13 that were just lost in Afghanistan, God, you know exactly what those parents are feeling. Because God, you know what it's like to lose a son. You know, God doesn't really know what it's like to lose a son, right? Sure, hypothetically speaking, Jesus died, but didn't he come right back to life, and didn't God know that that was going to happen? You can't say you know what it's like to lose a son unless that son is gone for good, seems to me. But okay, I, I, I'm listening, I suppose. God, you will be glorified in all 50 state capitals. I plead the blood of Jesus over those state legislatures. Ew, what's she doing with blood? Over the governors, God, convict their hearts. God, I plead the blood of Jesus over the United States Capitol building. Dude, why is she so obsessed with, what is it, pleading blood over things? Why? This is weird and creepy and confusing and I don't understand. I plead the blood of Jesus over the White House and over the Pentagon. God, the Pentagon is so important and so vital. And there has been evil that has been allowed to creep in. Unwoke these generals, God. See, this is what happens when church and state mix. This is Christian nationalism right here. This is what happens. This is what you get. A politician holding an event at a church and praying that God unwoke the generals? Give them a revelation of what they are truly called to do. God in the White House, we need you moving. I've been in there and I've prayed. Holy Spirit, I've welcomed you in there and I know that you are moving in that place. I know that your presence is there. I know that there are angels posted. They are on assignment and they have not been released of that assignment, so I know that they are there working. You know what's weird? These people seem to have this weird obsession 
with calling angels to do things. Like, they seem to believe that they're capable of ordering angels around, to the point that people like Kat Kerr actually wear full camouflage, like, military-style outfits and a little badge in the corner that says Commander Cat on it, seriously, because she believes that she is capable of commanding angels, billions, trillions of angels to go do things. Matter of fact, this one is even, this clip is called Cat Kerr sends five billion angels to save the election for Trump. And she's wearing her camouflage. She's not wearing her Commander Cat pin in this one, but she has it on in other videos i'm trying to find the one where she wears the pin yeah i'm not seeing the one with the pin weird well anyway she does have the pin and it's in my channel trailer if you want to see it but this is where she called five billion angels to save the election for trump last night i was out there sending five billion of them to go worldwide to make wow. a sweep for a sweep for the next 30 days 24 hours a day to expose any unseen, unknown, wickedness, evil, cheating, stealing, lying, controlling, whether it was spirits or people or humans, to pull them down and to stop the activities and make it known where it's talked about on television, where it's shown in magazines, where people will see and know what's going on. And I sent $5 billion last night out to go do that, and immediately they went, and they're going to wow. go to every state and then every country, even some that people don't know about, yeah, are about to find out about it. Wow. Okay, so Kat Kerr is ordering angels around. And, of course, we can't forget that time that old Paula White ordered angels from Africa and South America to save the election. Strike and 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 strike until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. Yes, I am going to make you sit through it until she mentions the angels from Africa. Victory, victory in the quarters of heaven, in the quarters of heaven. Victory, 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 victory. For angels are being released right now. Angels are being dispatched right now. Hamanda, Aka, Ata, Raka, Teda, Bakfa. Angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. Yeah, so that was Paula White. I mean, this is a common theme. They seem to believe that they're capable of ordering angels around. And spreading the blood of Jesus all over stuff. Like, please don't put blood on things. Don't do it. Especially not you, Lauren Boebert. Don't spread lamb's blood. Don't spread Jesus' blood. Don't just, don't spread blood, okay? Nobody wants it on any chairs or any couches or anything. Just don't do it, please. I'm begging you. On behalf of you, God, on behalf of the will of your people, God, I've been in the House chambers and the Senate chambers pleading the blood over each and every seat. And Again with the blood, dude. Please don't do that. Every row in that building, God. And I have felt your presence in that place. And I know that you are working. Yeah, so that's Lauren Boebert holding a campaign event at a church. Deeply disturbing stuff. Listen to this next one. This happened the same night, mid-September 2021 at the church. When we see Biden address the nation and the world and shows more contempt 
and aggravation and aggression towards unvaccinated Americans than he has terrorists? Well, I hate to tell you this, Lauren, but I feel like there's a little bit of overlap in the U.S. right now. That's neither here nor there. We have a problem, and that's why I have articles of impeachment to impeach Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. How'd that go for you, Lauren? Did it work? Did you succeed in impeaching them? The sad part about this is if the Republicans do take the House back in November, they may actually try to impeach Biden. Uh, they won't succeed. It's mathematically impossible that they would get enough Senate seats to be capable of removing him from office. That's not going to happen for the same reason that impeaching Clarence Thomas isn't going to happen because you need a two-thirds majority in the Senate to actually remove somebody from office like that when, when it's like the president or Supreme Court justice. It's not simply not happening. For better or worse, it's the same reason why Trump wasn't removed from office either. They just didn't have the seats in the Senate to do so. So you can file articles of impeachment to your heart's content. You're not going to succeed in removing him. Trump deserved to be impeached both times. The impeachments were sound. They were built on a solid foundation and justified. But in retaliation, I'm very sure as soon as Republicans take the House back, they're going to start impeaching Biden over and over and over and over again. They're going to rack up as many impeachments as they possibly can just for the hell of it. It's sad. We cannot take another three years of this poor, failed leadership. Well, I mean, this was September, so at this point it had only been eight or nine months since Biden had been in office in the first place. Uh, what had been failed at this point? What was failed? I don't understand what she was even complaining about at this point. He had barely spent any time in office at all. He hadn't even been there for a full year yet. Is this not, like, calling for violence? We're sons and daughters of revolutionaries. They went to battle for a lot less. Is this not calling for violence? Seriously. She goes to a church, holds a campaign event, and calls for violence at the event. How is she not in jail? Or at least removed from office? I don't get it. I mean, we're watching it on screen here. How does Andrew Womack still have tax-exempt status? They took a stand for a lot less. And it's time we get involved. I need you involved at every local level. I need you speaking up. I need the world to hear your voice. You know the word of God, and you know that there is power in your words, that the world was framed by words. You have the Lord God Almighty on your side. I need you to use your voice and speak. What if Jesus showed up today and said, from this point forward, everything you say, you will have it. Are we going to agree with what the enemy is doing? Are we going to sit back and complain and murmur? Are we going to speak life into this nation? The church has relinquished too much authority to government. The church has relinquished too much authority to government? Am I? Okay, so just... I'm trying to understand what she's saying with that. I feel like what she's trying to communicate is the church should be in charge 
the church should be stepping in for the government, right? The church should be taking the place of the government and getting rid of the government. Am I reading this correctly? This is straight up Christian nationalism. That's what we're listening to right now. She is a Christian nationalist, and if you aren't also a Christian nationalist, you don't belong in this country. She wants the church to control the government. If she thinks the founding fathers would have been on her side, she is living in a fantasy land. The things that she has advocated for just in the past 15 minutes that we've been talking are completely antithetical to what the founding fathers wanted. They would have never put up with a politician who spoke like this. And somehow she's still in office. It, we're hoping that we're going to be able to remove her. We, as in the American people, I'm hoping that we can remove her this election cycle because she's a member of the House, which means she's up for election every two years. Cross our fingers and hope for the best. Maybe we can get her out of office. The sad part is there are a lot of other Christian nationalists in government right now. She's probably one of the loudest and most well-recognized, but this is a pervasive problem that isn't going away until we face it head on. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.